You're probably already familiar with Scratch, but in case you're not, follow them on Twitter at Scratch, S-K-R-A-T-C-H, for some daily golf video comprised of original and curated programming, PJ Tour highlights, and special production from events. We have an exclusive offer for listeners of this podcast. Callaway is offering $25 off an Epic Customs driver. Promo code exclusive for this podcast, no laying up. Go to callawaygolf.com slash customs and use your discount today. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! I that's... Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We are back. It's been a few weeks. Uh, I know I've been slacking on the podcast. been a lot of personal travel. A lot of things going on with the move back to the States. But we got Tron with, with me here. We're going to recap the U.S. Open. Tron, first off, a belated happy first Father's Day. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. It was, uh, it was cool. It'd be, uh, you know, I, I, I did have to tell the junk man that, that he can't go, to, can't go to college because he can't afford it because I put his whole savings fund on Leishman to win last week. But, uh, but other than that, it was a great day. So. If, uh, if whenever you get a chance to put your son's future on Mark Leishman, you can't pass up that opportunity. <laughs> but first, I, I do want to apologize for the audio quality on this call. Uh, we have already tried this podcast once and talked for 20 minutes and found out Tron's end of the call was not being recorded. So I'm in between uh, technologically recordable material or whatever you want to call it, computers, basically, at the moment. So apologies for that. Uh, we're going to try to rehash the the 20 minutes that we already just uh, just shared, but uh, uh, pretty excited on my end about Brooks Kepka being the 2017 U.S. Open champion. Uh, Tron, what was your immediate takeaway? Well, well, first of all, I'm glad you know we are dedicated to getting this pot out. Oh God, this has been an effort. This has been a huge effort. People have been hot about about you not getting any pods out last last few days. You've been up north of the arctic circles yeah it's not that easy to like be uh, be to so far north the service isn't great up there i wasn't able to watch a lot of golf and i'm out doing other stuff so sorry i haven't been able to produce the pods lately and i currently don't have a home right now like there's a lot a lot of stuff going on but i do appreciate people wanting to hear the podcast and whatnot i'm not uh i'm, I'm whining about about nothing really but uh uh, yeah, this has been an effort because we tried to record it last night and then you had an impromptu Father's Day dinner that took priority, yeah. which was better because I was going to be recording it at 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm, I'm proud to say that I will no longer be watching major championships into the middle of the night from Europe after this one. I'm, I'm glad for your health. It's not good. It's really not good. Today's been a rough day. I, took, I, I was on three planes today alone. It's 80 degrees now in Amsterdam. There's no air conditioning. I'm sweating in a friend's apartment in a back room. Recording this like from my iPad to my iPhone. You really are homeless. This is not good. It's not good right now. <laughs> but tomorrow I'm going to be playing golf in Scotland, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, onto the U.S. Open, uh, Kepka. You're not. I don't think you're the biggest Kepka guy, at least uh, compared to my uh, borderline worshipness. Uh, um, but what did you think of his performance? Yeah, I mean, well, so I love his game. 
his game, obviously. I think going back to when he was putting in work on the Euro Challenge Tour and then the Euro Tour, like, that was sweet. I, you know, we were in on him way back. His game's awesome. I mean, the guy won it. Like, straight up, nobody else lost this US Open. He won it. Um, you know, I mean, he was nails down the stretch. It was, there's not a whole lot you can say other than maybe the three putt on 10. But, I mean, even then, that wasn't the easiest, you know, lag putt in the world just to get it up there. So, um, you know, I was really impressed too. Like, he dialed it back in, in some spots too. Like, uh, that short part four coming down the stretch, laid it back, and, and then just took dead aim. To that like the left side of that green that was a you know that that took some serious stones under pressure there so i mean there's nothing i can say about his game that's that's critical whatsoever uh he drove the ball magnificently all week i don't think it mattered for him that the fairways were wide i mean i think he just he just was striping it right down the middle um all my gripes with him have been I just don't think there's a whole lot there. Like, yeah. and, you know, and maybe that's, you know, I mean, who am I to say? I think DJ is my favorite player, but, but, but like, <laughs> you know, it's just always been like he's been this just super bro. Right. You know, I mean, whether, you, whether you're following him at the, like, I was following him at the Masters one year. Like, he just doesn't give you a whole lot. He seems like kind of a, just a jock for a better, or lack of a better word, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and shit on him for that. It's just a matter of, you know, I mean, the post-round interview was, was a good indication of that, too. Right. I thought I thought that was, like, when we get to see a different side of him or that he would maybe, you know, he probably had a hard time processing all of the emotions that came with winning your first major. But uh, I don't know. I thought I thought we'd see a little more out of him. I can't, I can't disagree with anything you said, basically, about his... You know him as a person, his personality, and what I there's not a lot there from what we can see. I don't know the guy personally, but man, his golf game I think matches like everything that I dream of in a player, like to a T. The mashing that went on yesterday, the the slight fade he plays, the control of his ball, and the just absolute relentlessness to not back down from any shot. Yet still dialing it back when he needed to be strategic, like you said. I mean, I think that's been a fair criticism of yours in the past, and I think he's even said it himself. Like I just, I swing hard. It goes straighter when I swing hard, and I just try to get it down there as far as I can, and then figure it out from there. And that's what I saw at the Ryder Cup, and the Ryder Cup kind of sets up for that and, and worked great. To go and out and execute that game plan though at a U.S. Open is a completely different thing. Um, Ryder Cup, you can pretty much fire at flags, and it's kind of a green light special. U.S. Open is usually the opposite of that. I know it's set up really easy. We'll talk about the golf course a little bit, but uh, just his, I don't know, to mit, I think he missed 10 greens for the week in the U.S. Open. I know the greens are big, but good Lord. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even on Sunday where, you know, obviously the course played differently than it was anticipated to just because of the, the conditions and the, the rain and the lack of wind the few day, the, the first few days. But, I mean, it's not like he was missing greens when the wind was up on Sunday either. No. Like, you know, I mean, he hit his, what did he hit, his first nine greens on Sunday? Or first, you know, first, like, I, I mean, he hit, like, you know, 10 of the first 11 greens or something. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, he was just nails all day. Um, you know, and, and yeah, certainly the course played different. Um, I think if it was, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot of courses out there that don't, that aren't gonna play like that when they get three inches of rain. Like you can put them out there at Shinnecock, and if it's not firm and fast, they're gonna 
are probably going to not not take the course to his knees, but the but the scores are going to be five to ten shots lower for the week than say you know a regular open at Shinnecock. So I mean, I don't think that's a fair criticism of the course just because that's that's nature, that's mother nature, you know. Um, and they got a lot of rain and it drained relatively well for how much rain they got too. And then when the course is designed to you know, to play a certain way with prevailing winds and those winds don't show up, then, you know, that's that's that, that's a really tricky situation. And I thought Gil Hans did a good job of explaining that on the Telecaster. Yeah, I think it's a really risky game, too, if, if the USGA were to be overly responsive to the criticism that came from some, some media folks. And I want to limit that to media folks because I don't think we really heard much of any severe criticism of the golf course from the players and even guys that missed the cut uh, like guys like Rory, DJ, none of those guys said anything about the golf course or Billy Horschel. Even you know, I think he shot. He shot. He, would, he was not close to making the cut, and he said the golf course was great. And so it's not a Chambers Bay like, uh, and, and no similarities to Chambers Bay here, other than it's a first time that the this event's been held yeah. this course. So uh, I, I think it's just risky if if the USGA would overreact to the low scores, and that again, this was kind of the baseline for how easy it could play. It blew on Sunday, but it it could not have played much easier for the week. Um, if they set it up for at the absolute easiest, it's going to be a really severe test. What happens when it when it blows and plays firm and fast? Like Shinnecock 04 is what happens, where Phil is aiming yeah. into bunkers on purpose and because like, he can't hold greens, and that's not a fun U.S. Open. So if the scores that's end up, the thing. yeah, you get that ninth green super firm and fast with the wind up. I mean, guys are going to be getting making sevens and eights there. Uh, and that's that's not that's that's the USGA and the US Open of the past that has been yeah. just a disaster. It's not fun. I mean, I, I, maybe I don't have the best memory of Wingfoot like '06, but like I, when I think of that course, I think about like rough, really narrow fairways, rough just off the fairway, and people having to gouge out down the fairway if they go in the rough at all. Like, basically eliminating so much strategic value in the golf course. And I know... Yeah, I know Andy Johnson from the Friday kind of rubs off on the both of us and that he... Uh, when he likes a golf course, I'm more likely to. It, it, he influences my my thinking of a golf course. He loved it because of how much strategy goes into it, how much decision making, and how many options players have, rather than you know just being forced to play a hole a specific way. So in that regard, I really enjoyed watching these guys take on different strategies and watching the way Sergio handled the course versus DJ, you know, and and seeing uh, how the guys adjusted to the different conditions when the wind blew and. You know, when one thing wasn't working in round one, trying something different in round two. I thought, I don't know, I, I enjoyed that. And I think that there's, uh, if, if you're focusing on the scores in relation to par, you're, you're focusing, you're, it's, you're up at the wrong alley, man. It just doesn't matter. I know people are precious about their U.S. Open. And I get the criticism, some people saying, like, there's not shots out there that scared these guys. But it's like, man, if that wind's blowing 20 miles an hour all week, there probably would have been some shots that would have really struck yeah. fear in those guys. Well, and I think the green surrounds made a big difference with it being being relatively soft and receptive. Where you know a lot of those greens were kind of mounded and you know convex. Where if it is firm and fast, you miss on the wrong side of those greens. It's you know you would almost rather be in rough than in you know some bare lie. Right. You know, so I think it was it was that was a that was a huge difference. It, it, like it, it played a lot different versus 
what it would have played with guys missing greens. I think you know it was much. It was a much easier up and down. Yeah, that's that was a big big difference. And the score, um, the conditions dictated the scoring. And when yeah. when that happens in the in the Open Championship, Luke Donald made this point. I'm I'm stealing Luke Donald's take of all people. But uh, when he he made that point about the British Open, it's like in that, when the scoring dictates, you know, the the conditions dictate the scoring in the in the British Open, they they you get praised for that, you know, like a, that's a great thing. So and, and so what I, the other thing I love that they did is some of the pins that they that they gave or that they set up were in places where if you hit a really solid shot, you could funnel it right down to the flag. But if you're not, you know, if you're not within that 5, 10, 15 foot range or whatnot. Then you're missing on the wrong side of the hole, and it's it's really punishing you. But you could earn a shot back on the field or half shot, whatever, however it averaged, by just executing a solid shot. Some Sunday pins that they have, like at Augusta, are exactly like that. The pin on 16 on Sunday, like if you hit a solid shot, it funnels down to that flag, and you can take advantage of it. It doesn't take a great shot; it doesn't have to be amazing, but it's a test. Like you, you have to execute that shot. Uh, so with that is going to come more birdies, which is hey, that happens to be more exciting as well. Like, that's a good thing for the golf tournament. I don't, I, and, and this is where I differ. I respect people that you know really like to watch guys suffer and, and grind it out out there. I can understand that, but for me, I, that that's not that enjoyable. Saturday was a lot more enjoyable than Sunday was for me. Callaway has been the fastest growing major golf ball brand since 2013, and Chrome Soft has been a major part of that. Chrome Soft is extremely fast, incredibly soft, and unbelievably easy to control, which is why many of the best players in the world in the world have changed to Chrome Soft. Also, some of the worst players in the world, like my, the current state of my game, I've also changed to the Chrome Soft ball. Father's Day has come and gone, but it's not too late to help Dad out. Like help him get better by gifting him some custom Chrome Soft golf balls. Go to CallawayGolf.com slash Father's Day to explore the full gift guide from Callaway. It's still there. Chrome Soft, it's the ball that changed the ball. And again, a reminder to use the promo code NOLANGUP for any for $25 off any custom order at CallawayGolf.com. I just don't understand. Like, I mean, it's not like the whole field was tearing this course apart. Like, six right. of the top 10 guys in the, in the world missed the cut. Right. And Brian Harmon was the 54-hole leader. Like it is 7,800-yard yeah. course. Like it's a good. It was a good, fair test, man. I don't know. It's yeah. the obsession it with just par. Me away too, and people are like, oh, 700-yard par five. I'm like it, you know, Kepka hit three wood, three iron in there yesterday. <laughs> I said this Saturday too. It's like go, go, go to your local golf course and stand 300 yards from a flag. And to get full appreciation for like the shot that JT hit in on Saturday afternoon, and I know that was the easiest day. There were the most low scores on Saturday, and Reed shot 65, and that was when everyone started to turn on the golf course. But it's like, I don't care how easy a golf course is playing. You can't sit there and tell me hitting a, a three-wood to five feet from 300 yards is easy, or that you know Reed going out and shooting seven under on that golf course is easy. Like it, it's it's not no matter how you slice it. Yes, the greens hold. That's the biggest key for the pros is when they can land it near the pin, they're going to shoot low scores. It doesn't matter how long the golf course is. But again, the conditions are gonna are gonna dictate that. And there's it's it's just a risky risky game, and you, it can get out of hand really quickly if you uh, if you don't budget for that. Yeah, well, and, and I think you know, a, lot, a lot of people are bitching about the half holes. Yeah, like the uh, yeah. Like, those are like those to me. Like I would much rather watch guys play those holes and play them different ways. And you know, because there was like there was that one short four where um, 
you know, shortish for where like you know I would much rather be 120 yards out than 40 yards out or you know depends on where the pins are you know yeah exactly yeah especially with that front pin the one that yeah so it's, I just like I would much rather see guys have to make a conscious decision instead of just pulling out the longest club in their bag and hitting it at will and I I felt like there was. There's a fair amount of par fours out there that it was just reach for the driver, which is which is fine because I think there was enough still there to make you yeah. consider your lines and your angles to give yourself there were a good some really setup. Really good like center line bunkers and cross bunkers and, and like very well placed yardages. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, like you know some guys were, were complaining about that par four that that uh, that that JT you know pulled three wood and hit it to like. What like se- like seven or eight feet? Right, number and, fifteen uh, on Saturday. Yeah, like I thought that was a great hole, and it played totally different on uh, on Sunday than it did on Saturday. Yeah, you know? but it was too easy because it was a par four. But if it was a par three, and it was so it played like three fifty five or so for most of the days, and then they moved it up to two ninety on yeah. Saturday. Um, but yeah, you can't, if it's a 290 yard par four, it's too easy and whatnot. And if you don't pull the shot off, if you go for it, don't pull the shot off. You're, you're looking at bogey easily. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's the thing. It's not, I mean, you still have to hit the shot. (laughs) Right. That's another thing. Like 290 yards, he landed it, you know, five feet behind the flag and people are saying that's, that's too difficult or too easy. It's like. Dude, you guys are you guys aren't really seeing this here. It's not not every player is doing this. There was just some phenomenal golf. The course set up a great opportunity for phenomenal golf to come in, and it kind of reminded me of you know like playing some like playing the old course in Scotland where you there's wide fairways, but you, being on a certain side of it can depending on where the pin is dictates everything for the next shot. So while it seems super easy, just bomb it out there. If you bomb it and end up down the left side to a left pin that you can't access from anywhere but the right, that's an issue. And that's the kind of that's the kind of test this course gave you. So I've never been out there for the record. I mean, I'm talking like I I know the course. I'm just saying from what I was able to see on TV, that's how it played and for I me. I think that's that's some of what was lost with the rain too, which yeah. just not having to work it both ways as much and not having to be on the right side of the fairway as much because it was more receptive from from all angles. Right. You know? And and not everyone views golf from this lens. So my overall yeah. point is saying I thought the broadcast did an okay job with it. Gil Hands was excellent, but it didn't quite fully. Yeah, more Gil Hands. Yeah, more it Gil didn't Hans. fully come across uh, all the things that went into um, yeah went into it and that, that that's just my, my overall point is if you're listening to people that are just complaining about the low scores that's not there's not enough uh there's not enough judgment that went into that call they're then the saying that other than they're looking at historical scores and seeing records get broke and stuff like that i mean it's cool to you know jt 63 gets celebrated kepka's tying rory's record and whatnot i mean none of that stuff really matters what matters is the the this year the challenge that was set forth and who emerged as the winners and, and the, the ones that succeeded so um, it just, it just, it, it, it drives me nuts to like follow. First of all, Twitter sucks. And just to like follow along during a major is like, come on guys, like try to sit back and enjoy this incredible exhibition of golf as a major. We get four of these a year just to sit around and complain about it. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying, you know, I don't know. It's everybody's playing the same golf course. Right. And, and, but so uh, that, that's usually the excuse, even when things suck, but like Chambers Bay, I didn't like that 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 criticism saying everyone's playing the same golf course because the point about Chambers Bay was there was so much variance uh, de- 
even if you're hitting good shots, just yeah, you know, that was Mickey Mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I'm with you here, and that everyone was like, this golf course was extremely fair, and everyone's playing it. There are certain circumstances though where you know Chambers Bay, when you're putting on that broccoli, a five foot putt could come off the face just dead left through no fault of your own, and that's where the fairness gets lost. So I think well, there, there's certain there were certain holes out there too. Where yeah, like, there there was such gnarly slopes and stuff where the bounces were just dude you know, there's a number it's eight like a lottery. yeah the par five i forget what hole is i think it's number eight on chambers bay yeah. i saw dj land a ball in the left rough and it missed the fairway to the right and it was like a straight hole like that's how bad the slope <laughs> yeah. of that fairway was so again this is totally different and it's going to happen anytime the usga is going to go to a golf course that's not a traditional usga course the criticism is going to come fast and quick from mostly writers, and I was impressed with how what the players had to say about it. Even the guys that missed the cut, like the guy, they yeah. seem to take it pretty well in stride and not, uh, you know, Speed said he hopes that they get another um, another championship there. I forget exactly. I don't have it in front of me the exact quotes, but it seemed to be overwhelming support. I think it's so it's so bad too when people are like, oh, it's not a, you know, it's not a traditional. U.S. Open setup, and it's like, well, Congressional is a prototypical U.S. Open setup. They had it there, you know, once every 12 years or something, and it, and like, they took that course to its knees, and there was no strategy involved. Right. Just pulling out a driver on every hole, you know? So, I thought this one was cool in that it gave a guy like Ryan Harmon a chance to, you know, where he's never gonna, he's never gonna compete on, on, you know, even a shorter course with narrower fairways. Because I think he he sprays his driver a little bit more than you know, and, and it's a bigger, it's a huge disadvantage for him when he's hitting five iron out of the rough, you know. Versus if right. a guy bumping couches on a shorter course, he can hit pitching wedge out of the rough. Yep. You know. Yeah, um, that was another one. Of Andy's points too was just the, the the two style of guys that emerged as the, and I know Matsuyama ended up coming up and tying Harmon, but the guys that looked, I mean, it was to a certain point on that back nine, it was you know. Uh, 99% chance the winner was going to come from Kepka or Harmon. The, the the two contrasting styles that that course brought out, it's pretty rare in a U.S. Open to bring that out. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think there's other courses that would maybe fit guys like DJ and Rory more than this one does, but the fact that they, and I don't mean to give them too much credit for not bitching about the golf course, but the fact that they could see the nuance to the course and the strategy to the course and say that it was a good overall course and, I, and maybe they didn't even say that directly I, mean, I might not be remembering that right but uh i just i still felt like you know the reaction from the players was 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 positive so yeah. i mean yeah it, when when tiger shot 19 under at st andrews people weren't complaining about about the scoring and i just it's whatever and i don't care if records get broken you know i i say that and i made a big deal about jt shooting 63 on saturday but mostly just because of the way that happened and how remarkable that that finish was but um, yeah, he shot 63 with two bogeys and missed an eagle putt. <laughs> Eight feet. It's crazy. What did you make um, of Johnny Miller like shitting on him, basically? I mean, I think we would have all been disappointed if Johnny wouldn't have shot. Him, I right? know, but like, it, it it's not inaccurate. I mean, I mean, it's it's he's got kind of a point. It's not the same shooting at final round Oakmont Sunday, and I think somebody looked at the strokes gained against the field, and Johnny Miller's was better and whatnot, but. Dude, let the guy have his moment. That was my only thing. It was like, come on, man. I mean, we know 
what your what your sixty three meant and we how often you remind us of it. It's like, I, and I like Johnny Miller. I know a lot of people don't, but I think he's great for the game. But I mean, I was like, come on, in in, his, in this moment, and that's not me being a JT it's, Homer. That's, it's that's yeah. kind of irrelevant for me comparing contrasting scores and, and everything across different eras. To yeah, you know, it's not yeah. like we're sitting here talking about like Bob Jones and. and you know, nineteen thirty. You know what I mean? Like what what he shot in the U.S. Open. I, I just don't. You know, it's like the, the green speeds are totally different. The equipment's totally different. You know, it, it's just a different. The the, the uh, depth of the field's totally different. It's just a different game. You know. So, yeah, it's it's first. Oops, sorry. I just knocked something over. We're good. Um, for uh, just for you see how much different scoring and whatnot can be from year to year. And now we're talking about something that happened like forty, what, fifty years ago? I can't even, I don't even do the math on that. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not really that comparable. So, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I was impressed. Like Harmon was nails down the stretch. I think, I mean, everything was going to have to go right for him to. Yeah. To win, I thought you know Fleetwood struggled a little bit from the start, but I thought he held it together well. Oh, he was great. Um, he was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so. I don't. I don't watch a lot of Euro Tour golf, but I follow. You know, I, there's a lot of pretty smart guys I follow on the Euro Tour, and I, I see their fandom of, of Fleetwood and talk about him mashing it. But I also hear them talk about his short game and how it's mostly like European Tour betters that I follow. So they get so frustrated with the putts that he misses in short game uh, mishaps. But I, I could notice that maybe it stuck out to me because it had been brought to my attention. But he was shaky-ish around the greens. But man, that dude can hit a golf ball. That is fun to watch. Um, and then, uh, I thought Ricky was a little, t- I don't know if he just, low T, what, but like, I thought he was a little bit tentative. Yeah. Um, of his, you know, I talk about, you know, I bitch about guys that bomb and gouge it, but I thought he kind of let his foot off the gas pedal a little bit too much and be, you know, laying back a little bit too much. I mean, maybe he just felt like, you know, that was, that was going to give him the best chance to win, but you know, it seemed like that wasn't his typical aggressive mentality. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it, you know, because, and Nate, I don't know. You out? And, I went out and followed him a lot at the memorial this year, and just kind of listening in the conversations and seeing that, you know, you 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 get an appreciation for the strategy that goes into it and what the player is feeling that they're capable of, you know. So, I do have a hard time sitting back watching. First of all, I'm watching this on like a five inch screen on my phone to to be like, you you should play the course this way when I'm not in person. But uh, it did seem weird on television watching it. I hope that's a. There was thing. one down the stretch. I, I can't remember which hole it was, but and and the the, the uh, broadcast team actually thought he had driver and he really had three wood. Yeah. And, and it was like, man, like that's that's probably a hole where he needs to hit driver and, and really give himself a look. At, you know, making yeah. something happen because he was that far behind at that point. But um, but yeah, and then you know, but but then to the same token, like you know, there was an article earlier from. Brian Wacker, and it was like talking about him not being mad, mad enough at himself after losing. And I'm like, I'm sure he's plenty mad at himself, and I'm sure he's plenty disappointed. He's just not going to publicly flog himself. Like, right. what do you want him to do? You know, that's just it's a bad take. Yeah, those guys are going to get in and out of that media room trying to make the least amount of headlines as possible when they're not winning the tournament, right? They're not going to try to be the yeah. story come the next day, so... What they tell the media is not necessarily exactly how they feel. Spieth even admitted that on this podcast. He said, "Like, yeah, I got to figure out what to give the media and what not to, you know. Otherwise, they're going to run with it and blah blah blah." So, usually, I rush to. Ricky to say, "Like, oh man, like I'm not good enough to win a major. Like, say what Sergio said." Yeah. You know, 
rest of my season? No, he's going to keep it in perspective and what he's really feeling. He's, he, you know, he'll he'll keep that to himself and, and probably a sports psychologist. Yeah. You know? Usually I rush to defend Ricky. I don't I don't think I have anything here to sit and defend him on. I feel like people are being pretty fair with him. KVV wrote a pretty indicting little piece on him, but it was extremely fair. Just, uh, you know, it's like, all right, it's time for one of these to happen or else it's going to get into yeah. that period where people are going to really stretch this out. But, again, he's 28. Phil didn't win one until he's 33. Sergio didn't win one until he's 37. Like, he's giving himself chances. Yeah, it's going to happen. I have, I, that's that's yeah. the big thing. Chances. Right. That's, that's not a bad exactly. That's not a bad thing to be close. Like, you know. Like we always jostle back and forth about Patrick Reed, but you know, like in my mind, this was probably the first time that Patrick Reed's given himself a chance. Yeah. You know I mean? He had a chance you know, at Chambers Bay, but he, he fought. Yeah. Whereas Ricky, you know, Ricky's constantly there. You know, granted, he didn't have a great year in the majors last year, but the year before, he, he was he was right there every time. So. You know, I don't. I don't have any concerns about Ricky. I think he'll he'll be just fine. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's, it's it's impossible to sit back and criticize a guy that finished top five when, like you said, six of the top ten are not even around for the just weekend. Don't have it, yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And that's what that's what JT said too on Sunday. He's like, I think he said in his press conference, like seventy five was as low as I could have shot today. Like I just did not have it. So, yeah. uh, I thought it was funny. He had a quote down the stretch. It was like on one of the. It was on one of the longer par fours, I think. And he was like, "It doesn't matter what I hit on this hole." It was twelve. It's going to the same place. And I was like, mm, "Sounds like Bubba." <laughs> but it was actually like, I mean, it was a fair comment. Like, you know, I, I didn't I, actually. I, I was impressed with how he. I was impressed with his body language on Sunday. Yeah, I thought I thought he, I thought he handled it well. A lot week over week, and kind of you know he didn't get too down on himself. Yeah, I agree. I think he handled it pretty well. Um, yeah. Kind of being in that situation for the first time, to sit, to, you know, follow up that set. And I, I hate the old adage: it's so hard to follow up a low round. But to shoot that historic round on Saturday, then wait around till three o'clock for tea time the next day, yeah. man, it's 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 a whole different experience. I'm sure he learned from it. Um, I don't, and like I, I was impressed that he was able to get in the house at three over with how he hit it. Um, and uh, yeah, that twelfth hole kind of messed with people. He messed with Ricky pretty much all week too. Some of those guys just could yeah. not figure out what to do on that hole. He messed even the round he shot sixty three. Hit it in the rough, like on a downslope, and still somehow made birdie out of it. Um, but yeah, that was that was fun to watch. Um, sorry to see that that Peter out on Sunday, but man, that was quite the quite the fun tournament. Um, what did you think of Fox? You're the resident uh, media critic here. Um, you're you, uh, this is right up your radar. I thought Fox was great. Hiccups, like they just they didn't show enough guys. Um, especially the first two days, it was kind of it was almost like they overcorrected uh, on Saturday and Sunday with guys like Cameron Champ and, and Scheffler, to where you know they they weren't they just weren't playing that well, and they went out of their way to show them, uh, or they they they'd show them putting. Yeah. Instead of like everybody wants to watch Cameron Champ hit drivers, right? You know. Um, so I thought that was kind of a late reaction there. Um, the brownie point segments are awesome. Yep. Because they're like my favorite. Um, it's basically everything that CBS tries to do with Faldo and just can't figure out how to, like, it's like such low production value. You know what I mean? It's like one camera, a dude rolling basketballs or beach balls or whatever down slopes. But like, I thought it was extremely helpful as far as understanding what some of these green complexes behaved like. Um, I thought they gave a, they, I thought they did a great 
job explaining the course Thursday and Friday. Yep. And they kind of they kind of backed off of that on the weekend uh, to the point where I don't feel like we got as much of a feel of the course on the weekend. Uh, I th- thought that kind of petered out. But yep. uh, like they had a great flyover yesterday, and I was like, man, like why haven't you guys been doing this for every hole? Um, Gil Hans was awesome. Uh, I mean, I could I could listen to him just on the main broadcast. Um, not a fan of Shane O'Donohue. Um, I, I like Julie Inkster a lot. I think she's kind of miscast. Um, but Faxon was good. Like Faxon. Yeah. I'm not a Faxon guy. Zinger is just so good. I feel like they get when they get three guys going there with Buck Faxon and Zinger is too much. Just because I think Zinger just dominates. Um, I, I so the thing for me with Fox is is how little. Maybe this isn't the right way to say it, but how little ego goes into it, and that they seem to want like listen to people and what people want. Yeah. Like they made. Yeah, there's not. There's not a whole lot of uh, them trying to control the narrative. Exactly. They're they're not CBSing it. Is what exactly what we're saying. So uh, they. Yeah, and I think with. Um, I kind of sour. Like I love Azinger the first couple days, and then after a few days, I kind of get sour on it. Really. Yeah, he, he, he just seems like kind of an angry old dude. <laughs> really? <laughs> the See, more and more, yeah. I just love his way of describing the nerves that go into it. And there's so much. And I talked to him a little bit at the memorial. Man, he's like that in you know one-on-one as well, just talking about you know, playing the final you know, singles in the Ryder Cup. And he's like, I'm eating, eating one frosted flake at a time because I can't even swallow because I'm so nervous. And just the way that he he sets that scene yeah. for a guy that's been there, I, I, I love it. And... I, but yeah, back he had to, a free throw analogy yesterday. Yeah, was, you know, like where he was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, it's like you got these free throws at the end of the game, of Game Seven of the NBA Finals, and you, you hit one of them, and then the referee comes over and says, "No, you got to wait till tomorrow to shoot the next one." Like, I thought that, you know, I thought that was that was a good analogy, but, but yeah, I mean, I certainly I'm like nitpicking here. I think yeah, yeah. Great, I think he's a great commentator, and, uh, but it was just funny how. I was so psyched to listen to him on Thursday and Friday, and then I don't know if he just, you know, it, it seemed like he was just a little bit, a uh, little bit curmudgeonly. But for me to complain about that, it, the most ironic thing in the world. <laughs> the spicy curmudgeon. But no, I, they they showed a ton of shots. It was a conscious effort to yeah. show as many shots as possible. I even talked to Bacon a little bit about that. He mentioned how that's their thing. Like they they. Didn't spend a lot of time in the booth or with interviews and stuff on 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 Sunday. Like it was show golf shots, and that's the thing we've been craving. So that that's the most important thing to me. The graphics are just phenomenal. They get the yeah. pro tracer on the fairway shots and showing where the pin is, so you can see when a when a ball is tracking towards the pin. That's absolutely vital to the viewer. And like a couple people tweeted this at me, I don't have the names in front, of me, but like how can how can CBS watch that broadcast and be like, you know, no, we've got this figured out. Like we're we're good with with what we do. Like that that's the way it should be. I mean, well, and so my thing with CBS too is, you know, I've heard it's a technology issue with them. They don't they don't have as many um, recorders. They don't have as many cameras. They don't have as you know they haven't made an investment in technology to where the guys out in the towers aren't getting the whole feed. You know, they're not getting like three or four feet, they're just getting one feet. But at the end of the day with CBS, it's like Fox has made this investment with only having a handful of tournaments a year when you count the, the USAM. And, right. You know, and, and you guys cover how many PGA Tour events a year and you don't have this, including two of the four majors? Like that just doesn't, 
it just doesn't add up for me. Yeah. Um, Ugh. But know, so you know, you know, it's like how can Fox have all this technology and have a pro tracer on pretty much every hole, and 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 sometimes from the fairway <laughs> from the fescue. I mean, they had it from the fescue. Yeah, and it's like CBS doesn't even want to have one on more than three or four holes. Yeah, it's competitive. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, I totally agree. No, but for one criticism I have of them, though, and I still I prefer a Fox broadcast just because of what we said that the, the showing the shots, they're still kind of figuring out the narrative part. And as much as we hammer CBS for driving home narratives, like they're still trying to get a hold on the story, and it's 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 I can't imagine how hard it is. Again, that's just where. So much experience will have to go into it, but a lot of technological mistakes that I wouldn't expect in year three. I kind of forgave them the first couple of years as minor, but so many times the audio not syncing up the video and just kind of some it would like fade out. Yeah, they would they would do some sort of fade out. Yeah, premature yeah, protrage and just some stuff yeah. that was kind of like, all right, it's year three. Like that's the kind of kinks I would have expected. But, but to again, do. I think that that just comes with reps. Yeah. But, but that was when it was year three. Like year, even year two, I was like, that's cool, whatever. Year three, yeah, I was like... Yeah, think about it on, a, on an intra-year basis. Like, they're, they're only getting these reps I know. a couple times a year versus... I know. You know, so... I know. But yeah, I mean, that, that's a fair point for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, thought their, I thought their pieces, like their, their you know, kind of long-form pieces were good too. Like all the, you know, all the stuff they did. Well, it was more Thursday and Friday, but all the stuff they did as far as, you know, little... Little things about the making of the course and all that stuff. I thought yeah. it was cool. Yeah. So overall, I think it's trending in a real strong direction. I think I think Bacon's ready to graduate into the booth. I think he'd be good, you oh, know, shit. host yeah. hosting that second line. Um, and I oh, think also Darren Clark Fox. Yeah, he's Bottom good. Line. I love Darren Clark. He's <laughs> stud. He's a stud. So yeah, a lot, I think people. What what is your buck take? I think people are a bit too hard on him. And I, and I and I yeah, I made a joke about you know when he got the girlfriend's name wrong yesterday. More of a joke at Nance, which Faldo retweeted. That's actually hilarious. I don't know if you saw that, uh, but uh, he uh, got hammered for not you know knowing the uh, Kepka's girlfriend's name, which he un, I know for a fact he was fed that information by by some researcher or whatnot that gave him the bad information. He looked terrible for that part, but. Do you like Buck calling a golf tournament? Do you think the criticism is warranted or a bit too hard on I have totally so going back to the to to the girlfriend thing, I thought it was interesting like that was the most ironic person for him to do that with because like Kepka's game was in just such a bad place for the first, you know, maybe three or four months of the year, and it was because he broke up with this previous ex girlfriend. I know. That was that's why it was so bad. That's what people were some people were like, who cares about the girlfriend? It's like that was really bad. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know what? I've come pretty much full circle on Buck. I used to just downright hate him, and a lot of that. I'm a big Randy Moss fan. <laughs> just so a disgusting that act. Moment, that's disgusting. <laughs> when he when he moon, you know when he did the movie thing at Lambo or whatever. Like when the Lambo fans like moon the opposing teams on the way out. You know, like yeah. I, I just thought that was that was so over the top and like self-righteous when when really there was a backstory to it and then being a Reds fan I've never really enjoyed right. one baseball um, but I've really grown to like him just in all sports um, and just to see how I think golf's really helped him I think just to see how versatile he is too you know I think there were a few little details or a few little storylines that he missed but I think for the most part I mean he's he sets everybody else up for success yep 
you know, so I think he, he does a good job of staying out of the way, keeping his little soliloquy short and just, just letting the experts kind of talk yeah. about it. So, and yeah, not, you know. I've never done it, but I would imagine calling live golf is very hard, and I really don't have that strong of a desire to do it because just feeling dead air time seems like a nightmare to me. And That's why I have a hard time criticizing the guys that do it unless they're just giving bad information or irrelevant information. But uh, I think Buck gets a little too hard of a rep. I don't think Fox doesn't have another guy to go to in that scenario that I would prefer in that place. So The one one area for improvement is doing – a pregame show like when you put undisputed and you have oh. number one and dipshit number two on property there and oh yelling at each other about LeBron and it, like that was just so out of place and poorly conceived. <laughs> it's but it gave us some easy material. I like that part at least. But my like imagine like Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp trying to break down like Brian Harmon. Like what are the chances either of those guys had heard of Brian Harmon before this week? They oh. said Ricky couldn't win because he was too short. <laughs> DJ's tweet about the blind holes and Ricky not being able to see the blind holes and the tall players having the advantage there was so perfect. Oh, it's it's great. I mean, yeah, it's that, that I, that's more in the Fox outside of golf realm problem, I think, than it is. The, oh, that, uh, yeah, that's them right. force-feeding that to the golf producer guys. Right. But I thought there was a lot more room for... They totally whiffed on the amateur stories. Yeah, um, I thought that was that's one of the reasons why the U.S. Open's special, right? Yep. Um, and then uh, I thought just the kind of the lead up to the tournament too. There's a lot more they could do around the qualifying. Um, they do a lot on the qualifying, don't they? No, they, like they had they had a one hour show that ran at midnight oh. on Wednesday, you know, on the sectional Monday or whatever, but. You know, I thought like that was something. Hey, at least do something like a thirty-minute or an hour-long like live show. Just yeah. get you know get everybody kind of psyched up about all these qualifying sites because I think that's that would that would be a really cool deal. Yeah, um, people care about that. You know. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to. Uh, I want to first talk about the blimp because I came under some heat for the blimp tweet on. Uh, I forget if that was Thursday or Friday. Uh, I before so I I made a dumb joke about Pro Tracer on the blimp that crashed. Uh, before I made it, somebody on the ground said I checked with somebody on the ground. They said, "Yeah, somebody he parachuted out. He's fine." So I knew that there was, and, and I'm again I'm following. I'm like hiking through the woods of Norway. I'm not exactly up on all the uh, everything that's going on, but I knew before I made the joke, I was like, "All right, need to at least make sure this guy's okay." And I'd assume that everyone knew that this guy was okay. Etc. It turns out the guy was seriously injured. Thank God he is alive. Uh, and I come, came under quite a bit of heat for tweeting that joke, which, again, I was under the impression that he was fine. I'm glad to see that he is okay and uh, being properly treated. But uh, that's my only explanation for that. I didn't delete it because, again, yeah, that's 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 what I knew at the time. But we, we ruffled I got some... the sense that the heat was coming from some some already unfriendlies. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, the British media was not too happy with us uh, this week. I I want to clarify though that I'm not in support, and as much as we appreciate everyone's support of this show, of us in any way possible, 
I don't. We don't need to act like like we're not asking you to be stoolies and DM people that you know criticize us and harass them. That's where we'll draw the line. We're not in support of that. Again, we appreciate you guys rallying for us, but really not necessary. We can defend ourselves and don't do not uh, flood other people's inboxes just for just for uh, kind of giving us a hard time. We can take it. We got thick skin. We dish it out so we can take it. But that's my only uh, only advent into that. I don't know if you have any say there. I just I thought it was interesting that. James Corrigan's initials are JC. That was another guy that got persecuted. <laughs> you had that one planned out, didn't you? No, I didn't. No. Nope. <laughs> I was just thinking, God, what a what a what a fruit loop that guy is. Oh man, he's uh, not happy with us. But uh, yeah, sorry, we're a bit disruptive, I guess. Man, I don't know what I don't know what exactly we did to piss that guy off that much. But um, but yeah, that's just that's just my two cents in that we don't we don't need you guys. It's not a good look for us. Is was my point. Like we're not try, like we're here to do something different. We appreciate you know we are trying to give you guys some different coverage, but it's not a good look for us if, uh, if people don't feel comfortable you know calling us out where, when they see fit. I got I've got no problem taking criticism. At least you know I can, I can be a bit thin skinned, but you know. Like sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes I need to be brought back down to earth a little bit. And sometimes I'm I'm way too harsh on people. Like man, people got fired up about my Justin Rose take, and that was fine. Which like, is yeah, we, I, we need to vent. Like this is again why Twitter sucks. Like your take was totally fine, and people took it like eight yeah, different like, directions. Yeah, like, I, my take was like I know that I should like this guy. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I don't like I and like that's just I don't know why. Like that was the take. Yeah. But there's um, enough there and he because comes off as smog or somebody that like somebody that he really isn't on some of this stuff when really it's like that's just my take. Like I know I've never met him. I know people love him and it's one of the most well liked guys on tour. That's why I said it, you know? It just like convinced me otherwise, you know. Um but uh going back to the blimp thing, man. Andy was all over the the, the uh, low flying blimp at at the players. Yeah. Trying to make that a story, like trying to just see if he can mess with people and like make that a story. He, I mean, he, he was asking everybody that he possibly could. Like, oh man. I mean, really today? Tell me, did you notice that 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 blimp? It was just so loaded. Like he was he was just trying to make it a thing. And then so the blimp operating company that was operating this blimp, I guess they weren't affiliated with the USGA or you know uh, the tournament at all, and. This company, their last tweet was a retweet of Andy's <laughs> comment about the height of the blimp. Thing from the players, like I just thought that was the most ironic thing in the world. It was pretty amazing, and that was that became like a that was hilarious. First of all, with the players, and that, that now it is like a running joke. And so when the when there was a plane that was flying really low, and it was like messing up the audio on the broadcast, and Andy said, "I think Andy's phone was blowing up with people like making the same joke, like." Is that blip flying a little low? The plane flying a little low? Um, I think that's all the notes I had for, and it's kind of, I don't know if, uh, is there anything else we missed from the, from this past week or the last couple of weeks? It's been a, it's been a while since we caught up. Other than Freddie not being able to go to college. Yeah. So. Duff, it's good to see Duff get off the snide. The nice timing with, uh, we should have done, uh, we should have given somebody a, a U.S. Open podcast bump, but we were unable to get one recorded, but, uh, good to see Duff get off the schneid. I really enjoyed talking to that guy, man. That was, uh, yeah. I, I think that was one of the more, the most feedback I've ever gotten on any podcast, including Rory Spieth, any of those, was the impression that people got from Duff and seeing the inquisitive side uh, 
of, of him. Yeah, I've always had this impression, you know, maybe it was just because all the Duffnering stuff got not played out, but just kind of shoved down everybody's throat. Or like, I almost got to the point with Duff where I was like, everybody's saying, oh, that's just Duff being Duff. And it's like, like I don't know, maybe the guy's just like a lazy asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, this kind of flipped me back to like, all right, Duff's, Duff's pretty chill, dude. He's cool, you know? And, and, and to come from where he's come from in his career, you know, kind of a late, late bloomer like that. I think that's, that's, that speaks volumes and that's cool. And the fact that he's kind of having this, this second resurgence. Yeah. Uh, it's sweet. Seems to be so. in, a, in a good place. Um, should we share, we got a little bit of news on our part. Um, so part of the reason, yeah, things have been a bit crazy on my end lately. Um, I'm going to be moving back to the States probably sometime at the end of July. Uh, but actually recently uh, resigned from my full-time job, and I am going to be doing No Laying Up full-time starting uh, next month. So I'm heading over to the Irish Open, actually, to cover that, heading to the Scottish Open as part of our Callaway giveaway, and also going to the Open Championship. Although the RNA was stingy and denied me a credential for that, I will be around there covering that as well. But that's uh, a good thing, man. Yeah, probably, probably. Give me a little more, uh, little more freedom to to linger out and drink some beers maybe and watch some golf but um it's got some good things coming in the hopper a lot more travel stuff coming up i'm going to be playing a, a bunch in scotland over the course of the next couple of weeks um and documenting the crap out of that um i need to get my post up on lofton links the course i played in norway feedback on that was pretty remarkable i already had a group of 12 people saying that they're going up there like based on based on the the pictures that we i posted on instagram that course was awesome but a uh, lot, lot more coming in the hopper in the next couple months. So that's kind of what we've been teasing. Um, it's going to be a bit tough for me to get podcasts out of the next month, kind of still traveling and whatnot. But uh, got a lot of good things coming, I think. I'm psyched, man. It's yeah, awesome. a lot happening. You're paving the way for for, for us all. So. Well, yeah. hopefully none of your bosses <laughs> listen to that. Yeah, this is quite a limb to go out on. Uh, I'm gonna be. Go, solid. I'm gonna go from living in Amsterdam and traveling the world to actually being a blogger in my parents' basement. Like that, that insult is going to work on me starting like in a couple months. So, uh, but we'll get that. We're gonna trying to figure out a good, a good, uh, good place for me to live. I think I'll probably end up somewhere near you in the near future. But uh, a lot of things to work out in that regard. But man, we got some got some big things lined up for potentially for July and for August. Uh, and into the fall as well, and uh, as you would say, take the top off the defense. But uh, bear with us through these next couple months. Um, I'm hoping to get some really good podcasts lined up for Scottish Open, Irish Open. I'm excited to see some Euro Tour. Oh, wait, we can't hang up yet. We have to settle the Norin Oh, no, we're not even close to done here. Okay, all right. <laughs> I thought we were getting, I thought I was running out of takes here, but no, we have a we have a major beef to settle here. I mean, my phone was blowing up when you called me out on Twitter, like, oh, is this the fight that brings them down? <laughs> You got me so fired up. I was sitting here with DJ in, in the Chateau Relaxo watching watching open coverage and uh and yeah man, just just uh you know, inflammatory Alex Noren takes. Well, so let's go back to where the Noren thing started. It was a offhand comment I made at some point <laughs> about how I disagree with Noren being the eighth ranked player in the world that infuriated you to the point where you have reminded me of it at many times. Now we just keep kind of nudging each other on it to the point where it became and a full-blown... This was what, like six to nine months ago? A long time ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a year ago. Yeah, um, so 
Um, and just kind of, and I, usually the like the highest ranked player that plays strictly on the European tour kind of becomes my punching bag for the abusing of the official world golf rankings. So Norin's like it's not a personal thing with with uh, with Norin. Like Kayer came up to me at the at the at the memorial, like asking me about my my Norin takes. I was like, I don't I don't have real, I really don't have anything against this guy, but he's kind of my current punching bag. But uh, Porter off too, right? What's that? Being an Oklahoma State cowboy. Yeah, no, no, no one else seems to really care about this passionately except for you. Um, I just felt like, all right, so here's the deal. How many times has Noron won? A lot the last, on the Euro Tour. Like a lot, like big, big events. Yep, big yep, events. not denying that. Not at all denying uh, that. Uh, so I, I do agree with you. I think it's a it's a pretty well stated or well... Um, Documented, argued, yeah. Like point, it's just like a fact at this point that the OWGR gives way too many points for wins in relation to second, third, fourth yeah. place. Uh, what, regardless of the tour it's on. But I think that's magnified even more when you get on to the Euro Tour and the Asian Tour and all that. So I'm, like, I think we're on the same side of the fence on that. Yep. I just think Norin is a poor example. Yeah, I, and, I, and the the people are going to be disappointed with this with this showdown. I think on this because I I see your point in that, and I hate absolutely hate shitting on a guy that's won what five times in the last year. My overall point in that is he's not beating. And when I say his peers, I mean like those guys in the top twenty. He's not beating those guys on a consistent basis. Like, and so when he shows up in the majors and in the WGCs. I mean, I don't have his WGC record in front of me, so I may be inaccurate there. But it's not like Norin come, is come, is like this big. It's not the way like Rom comes into a tournament, or um, you know, even Danny Willett. You know, when he, when he was when his game was on, it wasn't the same kind of presence and awareness that goes into it. And it, and it, it's it is my like anti European tour bias that that comes through there. But it's like, all right, if you're the eighth ranked player in the world, I need to see you show out when you're not out outside of what goes on in the European tour. And it's not fair because I'm diminishing like winning five times in the Euro tour in that time frame. If I have that number right, is insane. And they're not small tournaments like you said. So I get that. But my point is, and it, it's not the reason for the official World Golf rankings. It's it's kind of a silly, stupid argument on my point, but. If we're doing like a fantasy draft of guys right now, Norin's not going in the top ten in my draft. That's for sure. I don't know if he is for you, uh, but that's kind of my overall point. It's like, all right, this guy, I, yeah. I, I have a hard time calling him the eighth ranked player. Yeah, but 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 I think just to a certain extent, like I, you know, there's some guys in the past that I'm like, all right, this is ridiculous. Oh yeah, this guy's basically like, you know, won the Madeira Islands Open a couple times, and then you know, or balled out on the Japan Tour, but like. Norin, he won the Scottish Open last year, for instance. Yep. Again, like, that was a stacked field. Yep. There was a lot of Americans in that field. Um, you know, the cream of the crop on the Euro Tour was there. Um, he played well in the match play this year. He came in, like, fourth or, you know, he came in, like, top five, I think, there. Did he? Uh, um, oh, yeah. Okay. That's um, on me, well, then. The other thing that got me all fired up was, was the major. Well, Went back to 2013. He was hurt for like two years. But man. my point there was like that, that. That's even past the official World Golf Ranking measurement period. Was that he got into this top ten without doing anything 
in majors, like the biggest and most important tournaments. Like he hasn't even earned like a single point almost in any of those. And that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, all right, man, if you're, if you, if you can't show out in any of these tournaments, like any of them, get any points in those, then how can I say that you, that this is like what yeah, you done but, all right, validates so you. He's playing in his first few masters and granted too, he's, he's, you know, three of the four majors are in the U S. Yeah. Um, I just think you have to take a larger sample size with the majors. And that's something that I'm probably being unfair to Patrick Reed. Yeah. I'm not too. So, like, I will admit, right. you know, There's... I'm way too hard on him. Uh, although I do think Andy Johnson has a good take that his right to left ball flight yep. and front pins, especially like on some of these, you know, final days, definitely don't work in his favor. Totally. For me. But, like, Norin, I don't know. I just. The quality of the events that he's won, yep. the, the, in the in the way in which he's done it, um, and just him being a late bloomer, like for me, I don't think we could we should use his past major record to diminish what he's done because otherwise we'd be saying the same we would have been saying the same thing about a guy like Duffner. Yep. No, and and, and again, that's PGA. That was yeah my overall, and that's why this is way more nuanced to this conversation than can fit on Twitter, which also sucks by the way. Um, but it it is kind of like again my point was just like all right if you if you've risen this far without without you know bringing it up in at all in these biggest events it's just raises a, red, a question mark for me not a red flag just a question mark yeah. so if and Norin, I, and, and, if Norin, and I do agree that the depth isn't the same on the Euro yeah if Norin's but the point is if if Norin's lining it up in the Ryder Cup against us I'm not fearing him the way I do like a, even a Fleetwood or a Rom or anything like that that's that's my overall like. All right, you know, if he played on the PGA Tour, he would be a well above average and good player. He's not. Maybe he would have won a tournament, but I, it's hard for me to say like he he would be doing yeah. anything near that on the PGA Tour. It's not. It's it's like kind of a. It's a obviously a hypothetical. You can't say that. Just the relativity. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, real, yeah. yeah, relativity. Exactly. So, um, is that so fair? Am I? Are we fair there and clear and good? Yeah, I think, I, I think we're good. I think we're okay. Good. Um, question for you what what do you think all right so if you had to draft the top 10 players in the world Ooh, to play next week where are we playing uh we'll say we're playing at we'll say we're, we're playing at quail hollow quail hollow next yeah, week pga because i think the burkdale's tricky so i'd say yeah quail hollow um, I know what you're getting at here, by the way. Uh, um, I don't, you know what? It, I'm craving a McRib take. I know, I know you are. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to bail out of the question by saying I don't know enough about Quail Hollow. Uh, to so like going to Mirfield this year and with, All right, All right, we'll say Mirfield. Well, but, but my point is like. I've always thought Muirfield's like a great bombers course because of the wide fairways. But then I watch it a little closer and I see that there's not like great advantage bombing it down a lot of these fairways. And, yeah, and it's a second shot course. Totally a second shot course. And I don't think I would have noticed that as much on TV. So, um, so yeah, it, it does totally. Actually, all right, going back. How about this? How about Valhalla? Okay. Who are we taking number one overall right now? I still, uh, my mind turned to DJ immediately. I think I'd take DJ. Uh, it's hard for me to look at, you know, two bad weeks and what, and not want to take DJ. He's a kid, too. You know? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, it's like, you know, I mean, give him a couple weeks, you know, and he was hurt and all that, I think. But yeah, I, I still think DJ's 
the yeah. ultimate player, the but greatest player of all time. I think your question is where does where does Rory get drafted on where that list? Where does I mean, it's gonna surprise you. I'm still a believer, and uh, oh, I'm still a believer. I know. I just, I just don't think he just hasn't shown the ability to grind. No, or the willingness to grind. I don't. Yeah, I think that. I don't know. I I don't know what that means exactly. It, it's not like I I get what you're going at, but it's not like he gives up. I think people just have this expectation of him that his B game needs to be at a particular level to like solidify his legacy or greatness, or it kind of leads people to the take like that Elkington had this weekend um, that he just is disinterested. I just I don't get that at all. He finished with it in a fury to get to six over or whatnot um, on yeah, Friday I, afternoon. I feel like he's not, and and, and and I'm certainly not saying he's disinterested, but there's just and and in some ways, you know, I feel this about some of the. The other guys that really drive it far, and they're kind of, it's kind of like feast or famine. And I think that might be a result of their swings, too. You know, just how yeah. hard they swing the ball, and they're either on or off. But, like, I just feel like he's just missing too many six to eight footers that he's not, I don't know if he's not reading them right or he's not, he's not grinding on them. I don't know. It's just, it, it that sounds like a bad take, but it's just like <laughs> nebulous, just this vague thing where, like, you watch him. Like grind out when he doesn't have his A game on a Thursday, and like he he grinds and figures out his swing, but he doesn't figure out a way to like manufacture runs or like like speed where he just you know he just grinds his butt off to get right. those thick name footers in. You know? Yeah, I I think with Rory the thing has always been like his peak is so amazingly good. Yeah, that like, that um. I don't know how to. I don't know how to say this. I don't. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. The grinding thing doesn't matter. But my my thing is like, I think the way he sees it is truly just win or bust. And he gets in these zones where his confidence rises to this level of you know every pin is in sight, and he just plays this balls out game that um, gives himself so many fifteen footers, runs into enough of them, and wins. That it's not, and it may be fair to say it's not a priority for him to top ten or to grind out around like, the things yeah, in the corner. Maybe right. it's yeah. just not. He's just not capable of grinding because his mind doesn't like. He still wants to fire at every yeah. But I don't think that's a thing. bad thing overall. I think feast yeah. or fa- like as much as we get on people for not like winning enough. I mean, when he goes out and he blows fields away when he sure. when he wins and. Again, I I default back to always the four majors. Like when he's been in contention in majors, he's won every one of them except for like the 2010 PGA. Um, he was like a one shot out of that playoff, and I, there was maybe one other that he finished rather close. Um, but he, when he's when I mean, the he's, Masters was the one, but like no, that was that was a that was a that was he was not it ended up not being close to winning that. But I think he had like a, a T yeah. two or T three yeah, somewhere else. But overall, he's just like. It's it's win or you know I'm not winning and I don't know I don't have a major major issue with that just because um, for yeah as as dumb as Elk's take was for some of these guys like money doesn't matter like money on like, the difference between tenth and twentieth to him definitely doesn't matter I'm not saying yeah. he gives up but it's like these guys are out here for to win and um, oh for sure yeah. no and, and I'm not even saying I have right like I don't have a problem with this game I just that's been a big takeaway for me it's just that there there's not that. You know, it's kind of like that that baseball analogy. Like, there's yep. you know, kind of like manufacturing a run where, you know, some, <laughs> some teams that just, they're like laden with power hitters, they just can't manufacture a run. They're not, 
Randy's like, tweet. Not seeing the ball, yeah. Randy really is not not walking through that. <laughs> that was perfect. That was so good. Uh, all right, anything Whereas, else? Like, you know, Zach Johnson's look more like Juan Pierre. Yeah. Know, where... Yeah. Every team needs a Juan Pierre. Uh, anything else? Otherwise, uh, I got to be up in about four or five hours to uh, catch a flight to Edinburgh. But uh, uh, I think we got it mostly covered. Unless you got anything else we left out. No, there's a couple things, a couple housekeeping notes. Shout out to Justin Huber um, for a uh, fellow Jack's Beach resident. He uh, he got T4 yesterday in the in the Air Capital Classic out in Wichita on the Web Tour. Nice. Locked up the Web Tour card for the rest of the year. Um, so shout out to him on that. That's big time. And then... Uh, Eddie. Eddie Pepperell. Yeah. Shout yeah, out shout to him. Out. He messaged us at requesting a towel. If there's any other players listening to this and want a towel or want to rep anything on the course, we are obviously all in on that. Uh, T15 this week, repping the U.S. Uh, the no laying up towel at the U.S. Open. That guy, read his blog. He's been through some major struggles. To see him come out and play well is awesome. I can't wait to sit down and chat with that guy. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be up in Hartford later this week uh, for a couple days. So yeah, hit me up if. If you were up there uh, playing a little golf with Andy, Fried Egg, and ZB on Wednesday too, so enjoy it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good week. Sounds like it. So, all right, Teron, thank you for bearing with the technological difficulties, and anyone yeah, listening, yeah. thank you for listening to this uh, lower audio quality. Hopefully, we can get that resolved here in the future. Um, probably next pod will be a Scotland wrap up uh, next week around this time. Um, and uh, otherwise, yeah, enjoy your trip, Tron. Travel safe and talk to you soon. Thanks, dude. See you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 